Grace and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to confess something to you. I am a man who enjoys watching a good chick flick. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, The romance story is cute. It's cheesy. It's corny. It's got all those good things going for it. Yet, at the same time, I cannot handle, I cannot stand watching chick flicks. And like I said, it's not because I think the story is not that good or the romance is too cheesy or the relationship between the couple. What I cannot stand, and it frustrates me to no end and gets me very irritated, is there's usually in these movies a situation that occurs and you might start thinking and remembering them when I start describing it. So, you have the boyfriend and the girlfriend and they're madly in love with each other. They love being together. But, the boyfriend has an ex. And he is over the ex. He doesn't want anything to do with that relationship anymore. But, one day, the ex comes back into his life, trying to rekindle the relationship and make moves on him. And then at the worst possible time, the new girlfriend, the one who he's in love with, happens to walk into the room where he's trying to escape the situation, and she gets all mad and upset, and she totally misunderstands him. And it frustrates me to no end because she doesn't know what the whole big picture is. And I get emotionally irritated and I just want to shout at her or whoever, if it's the guy, I just want to shout and say, don't you see what's going on? You're totally misunderstanding the situation. And I cannot handle it. I get frustrated. And it just bugs me. That situation in those movies reminds me a lot of what happens as I learn how to minister to people and the things that I see. When car accidents or wrecks, sickness, or you lose a job, or whatever it may be, that hardship that you face comes into your life. And I see people, as I'm learning, get angry or upset with God and question, why is this happening? And they, they get flustered. They want to turn off the movie of their life and just give up on it all. And I get, I get frustrated like I did in those movies, and I just want to shout and, and tell them, Don't you see that you are misunderstanding God? That's not what He's about. That's just this one moment. Look at the big picture. Because God has put His name on us. In the big picture of things, He loves us and cares for us, and that's what He's about. He put His name on the Israelites too. And in the section of Scripture that we're going to look at in the book of Numbers, the Lord here gives the people something to remind them that whenever they complain about Him, because the Lord cared for them and blessed them, and yet they faced hardships, and He used those hardships to bless them, and the Israelites didn't see it, and they got upset, and they misunderstood God, and God didn't like it. So He gave His two leaders something, and we're going to read it, to teach the Israelites that God loves them and cares for them. And it teaches them who God is and what it's about so that when that moment of hardship comes, they don't have to, rem- or they don't have to ever forget or question who God is. He gave it to the mo- leaders, Moses and Aaron, to say after each assembly that they gathered together. Let's read what the Lord gave His people to teach them. You can follow along on the screen or on page 7, I believe. 
the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. There's so much in this text and this section of Scripture that we can take out of, that we can unpack and learn from. But the first thing that I want us to look at, the first thing, is the name the Lord uses for Himself. In fact, every time you're reading Scripture and you come across a name of God, take note of it. Write it down. See what God is telling about Himself, telling you about Himself in that name. It's in the names of God that He describes Himself, who He is and what He's about to us. And so this name in particular is a special name for God. It's the name of His covenantal love. Maybe you've seen it in other translations or you've heard it from other churches. The name Yahweh or Jehovah. That's the name here. To show this special name, because it was the the Jews, they didn't want to... In the Hebrew, they didn't want to say this name, so they changed the vowels. So that's why we have Yahweh and Jehovah. And they were so afraid of misusing it, they stopped saying it altogether. I was just on a plane the other week, and I was sitting next to a Jewish man, and we were talking about the Bible and stuff, and he would just say, the name. Yeah, the name said this to me, and I knew what he was talking about. He's talking about this name of the Lord. In in English, we have Lord, all cap letters, or Jehovah, or Yahweh. And what it is, what it means, is this covenantal love that the Lord gives us. And back in the book of Exodus, which is before Numbers, both in the Bible and historically, the Lord appeared to Moses and he told Moses this name, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh. And he told Moses what it means. He says in Exodus 34, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This name of covenantal love, that passage, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate God, that to the Israelites was the John 3.16 that we treasure so dearly. They would go back to that because this is who their God is and what He's about. And so this is the name the Lord uses in His blessing to remind the people who He is and what He's about. And in that blessing to teach them that He cares for them. And that all He's ever wanted to do was care for them. And so as we study this blessing today, keep that in the back of your mind. The name the Lord uses here is that love, un- unlimited love that God has for us. So let's start. Let's look at that first verse in 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. Here we see the Lord giving the Israelites that general blessing so that they know He is on their side, that he, they know that He's going to take care of them, that He's going to provide for them and guard them and keep them. And you can see that as you read throughout the Old Testament histories, all the books, you can see how the Lord provided for them. 
He gave them food. He gave them water. He gave them gold and silver. Back when the, they were in Egypt, in Exodus, again, you can read the story, the Lord brought them out of Egypt. And as they were leaving, you'd think the Egyptians would be mad at them, but the Lord caused them to give them gold and silver. Make Israel rich. And then in Numbers, the book that we're looking at in, if you read further, you're going to see that they didn't listen to God and then they have to now wander around in the desert for 40 years. And during this 40-year period of wandering in the wilderness and the desert, they did not have to buy new shoes or new clothes one single time. The Lord says, in, uh, or Moses tells and reminds them that in a book later on, the fifth, uh, the, fir- the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, in 29, he says, he reminds them of it. During your 40 years, your sandals never wore out, your clothes never got a hole in and got frayed. The Lord provided for them. He really did. And yet, despite all these blessings that as you read throughout the histories and the Israelites experienced, they kept thinking that God was not for them. They kept thinking that God was abandoning them, was leaving them behind, and was not doing what he said to do. And as I read those, those histories and I see all the times Israel's complained and that they're not getting it, they're stuck in the moment, and they're not seeing God and remembering who he is, I just want to shake them at the shoulders and, right, and just tell them, don't you see how much God loves you? He's done it over and over and over again. He's never abandoned you. He's always come back to you. Can't you see that? And it frustrates me like that couple, it frustrates me to no end. And many times after reading those histories, I look at myself and I see myself doing the same exact thing. And you see yourselves doing the same exact thing. We get so caught up in the moment of our hardship, whether it's sickness or an accident or you lose your job or whatever hardship or you may be feeling, we get so caught up in that moment that we fail to take a step back and see how God, His full plan for us, and how this will fit into His grand plan of saving us. And we start thinking those thoughts that, where are you, God? Haven't you abandoned us? Why are you letting these hardships in my life? If you truly loved and blessed me, you would take care of me. You would protect me from these things. And when those thoughts happen, those are dangerous thoughts because they trick us into thinking that God is not who He says He is. And that's why the Lord has given the Israelites this blessing for that same reason. That's why the Lord gives you this blessing for that same reason. To teach you who He is and what He's about. And now you can look, and when you think in the big picture, look at how the Lord has in fact blessed you, just like He blessed the Israelites. Look at what you're wearing today and what you'll be wearing tomorrow, what you've been wearing the past week, all the clothes that you have, your shoes, all the food that you eat, your, all the stuff that you drink, your house, your car. I like to think of the magical electricity running through our walls that we can just plug into. And it charges all our cool devices, our TVs, everything. It's wonderful. All that comes from God. He's given it to us all. And He's not just about giving us stuff. He's about protecting us too. 
I think about all the times when I've been driving where I've narrowly missed an accident or escaped an accident situation. Or maybe you've had something like that too. I've, when I've played sports or competitive or pickup or whatever it may be, maybe you've too. There's times I could have gotten really injured, but I didn't. Maybe there's times you really could have gotten injured, but you didn't. That's God protecting you. There's all those moments in your life where you've said, whoa, that was close. It's God looking out for you, protecting you. He cares for you both spiritually and physically. And yet, in his protection, sometimes I've felt this way that, man, God, your protection sure feels like punishment. It doesn't seem like this is really protecting me for my good. I like to think of, uh, to, to communicate this, I like to think of the time, I've probably told this story before, where I, as a little boy, was in a mall with my mom and my sisters, and I was bored of the store that they were looking in. I was enough of it. It was, it was boring to me. So I decided to wander off to find a new store to look at to fit my needs. And so I was having a great time uh, by myself in the store as a little boy in a mall and enjoyed my time. And then I decided to go find my mom again. We meet up somewhere in the middle of the mall. And my mom was livid. She was upset. And I remember thinking, this isn't that big of a deal. Nothing happened to me. I'm fine. But my mom knew how serious it was and how dangerous it was for a little, little boy to wander off in a mall. And we can see that and understand that today. It is dangerous. Bad things are bound to happen. Um, and I was thinking, well, I wasn't kidnapped, but that's the fear my mom had. So she was so upset and disciplined me. And I was thinking, Mom, this is just like punishing me. I didn't do anything that bad. But... She did it out of love because she knew the seriousness of what I did and that it was bad, and she never wanted to lose me. Sometimes when we are protected by God in His discipline, He loves us and He gives us, and it may seem harsh and hard for us, but in the big picture, when you get out of that moment and you remember who God is and what He's about, you can see He loves you. And he never wants to lose you. And you see his love and protection most, first and foremost in his son, Jesus Christ. You see how he took care of us and provided for us and blessed us with his unlimited grace as we look at Jesus Christ. And then in verse, and then we're going to move on to the next verse in verse 25. And with the Son's grace, we, we get there. And As I read verse 25, I'm going to read it in just a second, there's something that, that catches my attention, something that lets me know that we are separated from God. As I read it, I want you to think and try and find it. Something as in 25 lets me know and tells me that we were separated from God. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. Did you catch it? Did you find it? Did you see what tells us that we were separated from God? It says, the Lord will make His face shine on you. If we were not separated and hidden from God, wouldn't His face already be shining on us? 
Isaiah, hundreds of years later, tells in his book that we are in fact, were in fact hidden from God and separated from God. He says in the 59th chapter of his book, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God's face was hidden from us because we sinned. When, when God looks at us, it is the worst thing in the world because we, by nature, are enemies of God, hostile towards God. We were separated, hidden. We have no idea why he's looking at us and we don't like it. But in his grace and in his love, the Lord took care of this for us. In fact, later on in Isaiah, that same chapter, 59, a few verses later, the Lord talks about we were separated from him. And he's so upset about that. Listen to what Isaiah says. He, the Lord, saw that there was no one. And the Lord was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. His own righteousness sustained him. The Lord was so upset that there was no one who could intervene on our behalf. So he said, I need to fix this. And I'm going to do it myself because I know I will get it done. And he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus on the cross revealed the light of God's love to us. Jesus, on through his resurrection, burst through the clouds of doom and gloom and destruction and our sin. And he radiates the love and the light of God onto his people and he makes us ours, his forever. Excuse me, he makes us his forever. I like to think about um, winters up north. There's maybe some of you who have experienced a northern winter. It's cold. It's freezing. There's snow. Those are bad. Yes, they're not fun. The worst part about winter up north, for those of you who can relate with me, the worst part about winter up north is not the cold or the snow. It's the fact that you do not see the sun for months at a time. It's overcast, much like I think today still is. It's overcast. Throughout the, the months, you're just like, man, I just wish the sun would come out. And it's, you just get depressed. It's gloomy. Everyone's just down. But it could be on negative 34 one day. There could be a day, negative 34. I'm just going to use that extreme to show just the complete, how you wouldn't think it this way. Just super cold. But the sky is clear. The sun is out. It's blue sky. You're not outside because it's too cold, but even in your house, you can feel the sun's warmth come through the windows and you just bask in it. And in fact, as you go about your town, your city, everyone is happier because the sun is out. You don't even care that it's that cold and frigid. The sun is out and it's amazing. That's all I can say. It's amazing. It's hard to explain that feeling. That's what Jesus is like for us. We were in the doom and gloom and, dis- and sorrow of an overcast sky, hidden from God's light. And Jesus came and he bro- burst through those clouds and he made it a shining blue sky so we can just bask in the sun, bask in his light and just say, this is amazing. I'm not depressed and gloomy anymore. It's fantastic. I can't describe how good this feels, but it's awesome. 
And when we rest in the light, when we relax in the light of Jesus through his death and resurrection for us, we are at peace. Much like when you relax in sunlight, you are at peace. And we get that gift that comes from the Holy Spirit, this peace that we get through him by bringing us to know Jesus. And as we go on our lives with God, there are going to be some moments that really get us down. We're going to see back, uh, as we look back in the days, weeks, months, years, we're going to see hardship pile on top of hardship on top of hardship. Failure on top of failure on top of failure. And in those moments, the devil's going to come and try and trick us to say that God has indeed turned his face away from us. He's no longer with you. He's not caring for you or blessing for you. Look at just your history and your past. In those moments, remember this blessing. Because in this blessing, you get to see who God is and what he's all about. And we get that peace from the Holy Spirit that tells us that God's face is turned towards us and he is looking at us. And that phrase in verse 26, the Lord turns his face to you, is saying that God is looking at you right in your eyes. But it's a gaze of love and affection. It's a gaze that communicates his desire to be with you forever, that he will always love you and be with you. I think about um, one story or a story in the New Testament that verse 26 reminds me of. What did God do to Jesus when Jesus was on the cross? God turned his face completely away from Jesus when he was on the cross, didn't he? He turned his face away from Jesus completely so that God would never have to turn his face away from you. And so you know, through the Holy Spirit leading you to all this and bringing you to faith and turning you from an enemy to God, from enemy to God to now his child, that God looks at you and will look at you forever through Jesus Christ, his Son. And with that peace, with that knowledge, you and every believer that you know can stand up even in the fiercest of trials and hardships. Yes, you can stand up even in the face of death. I don't know about you, but I enjoy attending Christian funerals. may sound odd to some of you, but I enjoy attending Christian funerals. Not only do I get to see and celebrate with everyone around me the fact that this believer who is now with Jesus has completed the race, he's fought the good fight, and he or she no longer has to suffer on this earth anymore. But I also get to like enjoy, and enjoy watching the family during the funeral. Because a lot of times, many times, you see something just amazing happen with the family. You would think that the family would just be completely devastated, and they are. 
But at that funeral, they become the source of peace and comfort and strength for everyone else in attendance. It's truly amazing to see that when it happens. One of those instances, I wasn't at the funeral per se exactly, but my uncle was. About seven years ago, almost to the day, it was right before my freshman year of college, the summer before, two young boys from our worker trainers school, Martin Luther College, had just completed their freshman year. And they were on their way home, driving together, going to their home and then to their new job, and they never made it home. It was a tragic day. I remember my dad, who was the dean of students at Martin Luther College, he got the phone call around five at night, and, my, and he heard the news, and it was just tragic. Everyone that knew him, the whole, it was a sad moment. And it was easy for people, the families, the friends, everyone who even thought, even outside the the acquaintances could say, why, Lord, did you let this tragedy happen? They were so young. What's the point? That's something we'll never answer. But I remember my uncle who led the victory celebration, he told me a couple of neat things. First off, he said... There were over 1,500 people at that funeral. So through their death, those boys witnessed their faith in Jesus to that many people. And he also said an amazing thing happened. That family, those two families, I should say, were sad and devastated. Yes, losing that, it's never easy. But they were the source of peace and calm and strength and hope for everyone else at that, that funeral. Because those two families knew the Lord had put his name on their boys. They knew their boys had a happy ending. So my Christian brothers and sisters, with this blessing, and when you look at the Lord and who he is and what he's about, you have a happy ending. And when those hardships come facing into your life, whatever they may be, the Lord says to you, Do not give up hope. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. Hold on to the end of the rope. Because you and I, through my Son Jesus Christ, will live happily ever after. Amen.